Daniel Wettstein from the Answers 42 Media Network here, and I'm here to tell you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Breaking Broncos. This is your host, Daniel Westheim, with my co-host, Dylan Miles. Here we are. There's a little bit of a surprise for you all. I know I have not announced this, but we do have a co-host for Breaking Broncos. This is my guy, Dylan, from the Colorado Media School. We have been together since pretty much day one. I think we were a month apart in cohorts. Isn't that right? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, perfect. So, this is not a new relationship, but it is something new for all of you, and I'm very excited for it. I know Dylan is as well. So we're going to go ahead and jump in again. This is Breaking Broncos, and we're about to talk about your Denver Broncos. But before I get salty, I would like to throw it to Dylan here to give his ideas on whether or not he thinks these Broncos are legit, and this is something that we can count on moving forward. I mean, when you look at it, you start off 3-0 against last year's three worst teams in the league. And you take, yeah, you're right, you take with a grain of salt, but that's what you, you build off of. You shine off of that because look at that offense. It's rolling, even against... Some of those defenses, especially this Jets defense, who is not that bad, you look at that next week going into Baltimore, you just got to stay healthy is my thing. Coming off of this game, you got Hamler out, Dalton Reiser went out, Glasgow, Judy in week one. But hopefully those guys, those two old linemen come back. I think we look forward to this upcoming season, but we don't get too excited. That's what I think. I think I'm going to piggyback off of that a little bit. <laughs> I, I definitely have enjoyed these three weeks. I think oh, yeah. all of Broncos country needs to savor what we've experienced over these last three weeks. Because this is where I'm about to get salty. I do not have any faith that this offense can keep up its production as we hit the meat of the schedule. Because, again, mm. Teddy Bridgewater has only had one 300-yard game against three of the worst defenses in the league. He threw no touchdown. Yes, Broncos were obviously able to get a couple of touchdowns on the ground. But again, there's something else that worries me because for third week in a row, they have averaged less than four yards per carry. That is very scary. I'm not going to go too far into that because I think we want to talk about that later on. But that offense, there's just a lot of warts. And then again, what you were saying about the injuries, the, the old line injuries are what really are worrying me. I understand we have a couple of injuries in KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy. Those are scary. But that O line with the rushing game, I don't know, man. It's got me really worried. Yeah. And but when I look, looking at that run game, four, four yards per carry is very low. But putting the production, that's why I always talk about my dad and I always talk about this. 
you got to have two running backs on the core that can both put up production on the field. If one guy's not getting it, one guy will go in. But if both of them are only averaging four on a carry like that, it's going to get down. You're going to start going downhill sooner or later, especially coming up against the Browns front in week five. That's going to, I, I just can't, I'm speechless about that because that's a scary front seven. And yeah, if you can't I mean, punch it in against the three worst defenses in the league like that, I'm not so sure what's going to happen. Yeah, I, that, that's exactly what's had me worried. And I, I wrote about it on the answers 42 media.net that Teddy is just steady. He's going to move it between the twenties. But once you get into the red zone is where his shortcomings really glare. He does not have the arm to squeeze it into those tight windows once you get into that red zone. And that's where these next few games are really going to show up. I mean, you mentioned the Browns, but they still got to get through Baltimore next week before yeah. they even get to the Browns. I mean, I know that the, the Ravens have dealt with some injuries and some uh, COVID issues. And Jamal hurting defensive line. And Lamar hurting himself jumping in the end zone. Exactly. <laughs> Stupid move, but I mean, hey, he's pushing through. A lot of the Ravens' issues on the defense have been COVID-related. They've had a lot of guys go onto the COVID list, whether it was close contacts, whether they tested positive, whatever the case may be. They're going to get most of those guys back. Especially, yeah, especially coming up this week. And even looking at this front line and looking at this division this year scares me because AFC West has always been a scary division, mainly just because of the Chiefs, really. But now you look at it, the Raiders start off 3-0, Chargers are 2-1, Chiefs are 1-2, but I'm that's just early in the season. I'm not going to say much on that. Right. <laughs> I completely agree on that. You know, a as lot much of as I love already... to see them 1-2, I'm not going to keep going. Exactly. And you've already had the Twitter trolls out talking about, oh, the Broncos are two games ahead of Kansas City. Well, also look at the strength of schedule. Yeah, look at who Kansas City is. Kansas City's playing a first place schedule. We're playing a last place schedule. They didn't open up against the three worst teams. They opened up against one, three of the best teams. Starting off league. a rematch from the divisional last year, where the Chiefs could have lost it, especially against that great Browns team. Yeah, last week you go into Baltimore, and deservedly so, they lost that game. They let that one get out of their hands as well. This week you start down fourteen to nothing, even against the Chargers, who have a great quarterback with Justin Herbert. And a great offense, the defense is what's on the Chargers' side that will hold them back a little bit. But the Chiefs will be coming back. And the Broncos, especially when you get into this meet of the schedule, like we have, like we said, Baltimore, Cleveland, Steelers, and then heading into Las Vegas, it's just you got to be worried about this meet of a schedule coming up soon. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And like we were saying, 3.2 yards per carry is not going to do it. I mean, I've said this in no. week one. I, I, read it, I wrote it down on essentially paper. It's on a website, but we can call it paper. You know, that... Same thing. Those, against the better teams, like in week one, you had Melvin Gordon. He went for over 100 yards. That's the only 100-yard rushing game so far for the Broncos. But... Only off of... 70, of yeah. 70 yards at <laughs> 100 was off of one run. If you took away that 70-yard run, the Broncos, with their both their running backs, Gordon and Williams, had a total of 62 yards. And I have that 70-yard run. That's both of them together. So, they're at, like I said, they're barely averaging more than three yards per carry. That is unacceptable in the NFL. I don't care how good your 
quarterback is or the rest of your offenses, if you are not pounding the rock, especially against these teams like Baltimore who are going to pound the rock, you are going you're not you're never going to get to that 70 yard run. They're not going to give you the ability because they're going to jump out to a large lead and you're not going to be able to stay committed to the run the way the Broncos have the last three weeks. The only reason the Broncos have been able to pump out 120 to 150 or more yards per game on the ground is because they've built an early lead and they've been able to just run the rock, run the rock, no matter if it is only three and a half yards per carry because they're going to get three and a half, three and a half. That leaves a little bit less than three yards or a little bit less than two yards. For Teddy to pick up on third down. And but, watching that game, especially I'm a very big Javante Williams fan. Because and even before yeah. the announcer said it, what I noticed before the announcer said is he will make that first guy miss almost no matter what. Exactly. And he is a downhill. He's going to run downhill and hit you hard on the run. And that's just what he does. And especially watching those clips with those highlights from North Carolina. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes that starting job halfway through the season for Melvin Gordon because he had more carries on the day than Melvin did. Uh, this is actually the first week that Javante has not out-carried Melvin Gordon. Oh, he did the it this two week. Weeks, yeah, the first two weeks he out-carried Melvin Gordon by at least two carries. But this week, Melvin Gordon had 18 rushes to Javon, Javante Williams' is 12. And I think that has a lot to do with the fumble near the goal line. I yeah. think that's probably the only reason Javante Williams, because after that fumble, you barely saw Javante touch the ball. And that's I the am. one. That's the one thing that worried about me this season. It, but it wasn't on Javante Williams' side. It was on Melvin Gordon's. Melvin yeah. Gordon just had a problem last year of keeping the ball, of and he lost it a lot last year. So far this year, he's been he's been clean off the first three weeks. Javante Williams with the one fumble right on the goal line. Ended up turning into an interception, but still, it just you can't happen. You can't. You got to protect the ball. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. When you're down there, I mean, it was honestly a perfect hit by the defender. The defender put his hat on the ball, gave it everything he had, and popped it out. But again, regardless of that being the case, unacceptable at the goal line. You must have two hands, and it must not touch the ground. And exactly what you're saying about Gordon. That's actually an issue he's had all the way back to college. That's yeah. something that ever since Wisconsin, he's had an issue with. So it has been nice to see that he's been clean through the first three games, but he was also clean through the first, I think, five games last year yeah. before he had his first fumble, and then it was just a cascade. So we're going to hope that if it – we're going to hope he doesn't fumble, but if he does, we're going to also hope that it doesn't cascade like it did last year and what it seems to do with him because he's really streaky. He'll have several games where he doesn't fumble, and then he'll have three or four straight games where he fumbles at least once. So – we're going to hope that he's he's fixed that. But again, I don't think he – I agree with you. I don't think he ends the year as Broncos starting yeah. running back. Uh, it's just – there's too many things. Like the way he got trucked at the goal line, like I really thought he was dead. I thought yeah. I thought that C.J. Mosley murdered somebody on national television. Yes, there were. We all, we all witnessed it because that hit – I thought they were reading his, his final rights, and I honestly didn't think he touched the field again. I'm surprised. Yeah, that was a monster hit. And I think we're seeing a new Melvin Gordon this year because I agree. And I've, I always liked Melvin from when, even when he was in the chargers last year, I really enjoyed having them, especially when Philip Lindsay was down with injuries. And then you come back this year, you're the head guy now. And then they bring in Javante Williams from North Carolina in the second round. And Melvin, is, even though he's not averaging those yards, he's doing what they need him to do. 
He's going in there and getting things done. That's the same with Teddy, in my opinion. As much I I always I wanted to see another year of Drew Lock, I will say, but I was okay with the Teddy decision because Teddy's overall a calm, cool, collected quarterback. Always has been. And seeing yeah. this offense just get under production. I know it was against the Zach Wilson and the Jets, but seeing them just keeping keeping momentum going, keeping it just keeping it cool, calm and collected all the way down the field. It's been great so far this season. You just got to keep it going starting next week. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the the limitations of Teddy just always give me pause. Like I know so many people, you know, they're they're okay with the pick of Teddy over Drew. But my thing is, is that he's going to give a lot of fool's gold over uh-huh. the first couple of months. I believe when we see his limitations truly show up are November in Denver. December in Kansas City, in nasty weather that he just that he's not going to have wide open receivers like he had today. I mean, how many times did we see on third down where he went and scrambled around because the Jets didn't know what they were doing mm-hmm. until one of his wide wide receivers came wide open and he was able to float it over top of the defense, especially that downfield pass to KJ, the one he got hurt on, but yes. especially that downfield area where. He just the two defenders just did not know where they were going. One was on Tim Patrick, one was on on KJ, and they both just cut back towards Tim Patrick, where he was able to get wide open down the sideline. Tell me the Honey Badger does not break that play up if not pick it off. No, Honey Badger is going to be there every time. Exactly, that's and then, my point. Is and then especially even when you head into well, I was about to say San Diego when you head down to LA to face the Chargers, their secondary isn't a joke either. They they may seem no. like it, but you still have great players. I'm not sure if Chris Harris played today. I'm not sure if he was on today, but I mean, I mean, just look at the safeties and James. Yeah, I James mean, is. A he's going to be lurking. I mean, he's essentially the new version of the Honey Badger. Like he sees it, he wants it. Screw you, he's going to go get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's so those guys that can double back as safeties, linebackers, mm-hmm. and corners all in one, and that's yeah. And that's the one thing I think shined today for Broncos was the defense. Yes, absolutely. I mean, first shutout in two years, we would be absolutely remiss if we did not talk about that absolutely stellar defensive effort. And honestly, if the Broncos make it anywhere of significance this year, it will be on the back of that defense. Just like 2016. Yes, just like 2016, just like 2015. I mean, and two one Ravens. I mean, yeah. there's, there's several different uh, analogies we can use. But 2002 I, I, Bucks. <laughs> yes. Yes, John Gruden's Bucks. This this defense is absolutely legit. I am I, such, I a, to carry him. such a big fan of Alexander Johnson, especially when his first year with the Broncos. I love, I love the Raptor. Yeah, yes. his first year with the Broncos where nobody really knew who he was, and then he made that name for himself. I mean, then going his into story is insane. It is going in, and then last year where he he became the defensive play caller. He's basically one of the head captains of that defense. He goes out there, he hits hard, especially today, just breaking through that line, getting to Zach Wilson, making him move around, having to struggle. That was the high key of the high point he was of today. Everywhere. Was Alexander Johnson was everywhere. The D line was collapsing the O line. Von Miller today, even though he had the one sack, four sacks in three weeks is great. That's what we need. Yeah. Cut. AJ Johnson actually tied for the lead no, for the team lead in tackles. He had five total tackles, all solo. And, that, and crazy enough, can you guess who tied him for the league for the team lead? I, I would like to say somebody, but I don't think I could guess. 
This will shock. It's Patrick Sertan. Patrick Sertan. Five solo tackles as well. I'm such a. Including a pass deflection. I'm a fan of Sertan. I am too. <laughs> he is gonna lie. When we drafted him, everybody said take Fields. I wasn't. Bro. I did not want Fields. The only people who wanted Fields were the fans who aren't really paying attention to these players. Ohio State is the new UFC. Yeah, they are going. They are a program that pumps out win after win after win. But they, for some reason, whatever quarterback comes out of there is a bust. Yep. And watching. And when I when they when. When I saw the announcement for the Broncos taking Pats or Tim, I was very happy. Even though my dad really had to say something to me about it, about he wanted that linebacker. I forgot which linebacker. Oh, Michael Parsons from Penn State. We, my dad really yeah, wanted Michael Parsons. I really wanted him too. I did too. And you now we could really use him with Josie Jewell gone. Yeah, but – Patrick I didn't Tan see Sertan gonna... landing to us. That was yeah. the reason I wanted. I did not see Sertan lasting to the ninth pick. I no. honestly believed he would go top five because he is and has proven to be the best cornerback in this class. And just to emphasize Alexander Johnson being everywhere, got his full stats up here. Again, five tackles, five solo, two sacks, and a pass defense. That, my friends, is filling up the stat sheet. And that's why... He, that's why he's that leader of that defense now. Yes, that's why he wears that green sticker. Absolutely. Vaughn, Vaughn, everybody, think, he's the leader. Don't get me wrong. He's the leader of that team, but that defense is solely being, that defense is solely staying as well as they are because of the leadership of Alexander Johnson. And my yeah, parents, I think I had to show my parents who Alexander Johnson was because they didn't really watch last year. Right. I don't blame them. But watching him shine his first two seasons with us, and now coming to now coming into his own this year and yes. really stepping up has been fun to watch. And like the craziest part of his story is the man was out of football. Okay, so for for those of you that are listening that do not know Alexander Johnson's story, this man was falsely accused of rape his senior year of college. He was supposed to be a top ten pick in yep. the first round of his draft, but then. The girl accused him of rape, and as the as that always should be done, it was taken seriously. He went through the courts. It took what it was it was almost four years before so they many years. finally yeah before they finally got everything settled, and the girl admitted that she was lying from the beginning and that it was consensual, and so he was obviously all charges were dropped. But up until this point, no NFL team wanted to touch him because we all have seen what has happened with other players like Ray Rice, things of that nature. This was actually shortly after. I'm the, trying to uh, remember that kid uh, from Long Beach Poly that got accused. Yes, shortly after that guy. I was trying to think of it too, but I can't yeah. remember. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, but So he was a free agent. The Broncos signed him essentially as an undrafted free agent. Gave him a chance. He made the team coming out three years ago, and he just has not looked back since. So, again, this man was out of Football, not able to really do anything other than work out at a gym. Like he, no, no coaches would touch him. The man was just working out on his own at the gym for four years. Somehow kept himself in shape. Was able to come into an NFL locker room after four years away from the game. Yeah, win a starting spot, not just a spot on the fifty-three. He wasn't the fifty-three starting guy. spot his first year. Starting spot his first year, and has ran with it. And now we see what exactly John Elway saw. 
when he signed the kid. It's, it's absolutely amazing to watch the way that he's... In your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Hey there, Richmond. 2021 is here and we've got a lot to do, so it's time to find the right coffee for you. Let's get it done with new coffee choices at Dunkin'. Try the new Explorer Batch, a globally sourced blend with smoky, dark berry notes that's an adventure in every sip. Or grab a cup of Dunkin' Midnight, a richer, intensely dark roast with hints of chocolate, because bold days start with midnight. And sip into action with new extra-charged coffee that's 20% extra caffeine from green coffee extract. So head to Dunkin' or order ahead on the app for the brew that's right for you, and let's get it done. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary limited time offer.